Hey there, uh, Cave Company Radio fans. Um, you're about to listen to uh, Sex and Other Human Activities. Um, my name is Bunky Houseman, and um, I wrote in and uh, got some advice from Jackie Marcus, and at first I thought it was great, and then um, I fucking lost everything. Um, so if you could uh, just know that their advice is for entertainment purposes only, you know, I lost my family, I lost my house. And um, I lost my career, uh, which was hard to do. I was a professional gambler. I thought that would be a thing that they could help me do, and they did. Um, so if you have any questions or advice you need, just make sure you email cavecomingradio at gmail.com, ask for Marcus or Jackie, and, um, or maybe just say hello to Henry from last podcast on the list because he needs, he needs your, your attention. He needs your affection. Um, so thank you, and enjoy sex and other human activities. Yeah. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. <laughs> Don't give me that look, Zabrowski. Oh, come on, Parks. <laughs> I'm Marcus Parks. I'm Jackie Zabrowski. And welcome to Sex and Other Human Activities for another week. Sorry we missed last week for Jackie was in sunny, beautiful Florida. Ah, uh, yes. And how was it visiting yeah. the parents? It's fine. You know, I go. D- I had to go down... Um, as you guys know, it was hard over Christmas, yeah. as it always is. Of so I usually go home around this time because uh, I need to like be close to my mom, be like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm crazy. And she's like, I'm sorry, I'm crazy. And we do that whole thing. We mm-hmm. kind of just hang out, try to rekindle because there's not so much of the pressure that is the holidays. And it's really good. I briefly mentioned it on Roundtable, which I didn't mean to, kind of just came out of my mouth, that uh, I have... I mean, in high school, I had a lot of issues with bulimia, Mm -hmm. and it seems that every time I go home, it comes back again. Uh, My family is big on eating, Mm -hmm. as you know very well, and also it's filled with guilt and filled with, if you don't eat it, it's the only way we show love to each other. Right. Listen to today's episode of The Brighter Side for more on this. Yeah. Yeah. A funnier side of this. (laughs) (laughs) Which it's very easy to make fun of. Of course, Henry and I live on making fun of it because we have to. And when we're home, you have to eat an exorbitant amount of food or else you get a lot of psychological problems. Yeah, yeah. It's like a validation type thing. It's like the love that your parents or whoever feels for you is validated by how much food you consume. Right. It's like a tangible way of showing love. Exactly, because we're all very... It's hard for us to communicate properly, mm-hmm. as many families have that problem. And, you know, sometimes I remember used, I used to wish, it's like, can't they just buy me things instead? <laughs> it's like, I would rather have that problem. It's like, oh, we don't show emotion, so I'll buy their things. Yeah. Uh, rather than, you know, actually talking about how we feel or dealing with our mental illnesses. But then I find myself... Just like back in high school again, where I would eat a lot of food, and then I would excuse myself, and I would get rid of all of it. Mm-hmm. And then I'd come back, and I'd eat a lot of food, and then I'd get rid of it. And I just, every time I do it, which I don't do it while I'm here. Of course not. I, I Because I'm able to control myself, obviously not that much, because I'm still fat. Yeah. I still have a lot of psychological food addictions, but... I don't have to do that to prove it to anyone, and it just fucks with me every time, and then I come back, and I'm like, why did I do that? It's something that we've talked about before on here, is going, when you go home 
uh, I don't care how mentally stable you are, how much of an adult you are in your own life. When you go home, I think there's a natural reversion to the person that you were when you were there, you know, and when you were around those people. And, you know, it can be for good or ill. Some people go back and they are happy around their family because they were happy when they were there. Some people go back and they're sad because it reminds them of all the bad memories. And you go back and a horror, like a terrible habit and uh, another symptom of mental illness, that comes back because the pattern hasn't changed at all. It's the exact same pattern and the exact same cycle that happened when you were in high school is still happening today. And although you've gotten over a lot of your issues over the last, you know, what, how long would it be? Eight years? Seven years? Since not living in the house? Yeah, ten. Ten years. Yeah, yeah ten about years. About ten years. Yeah, about ten years. Like, even though you've gotten through a lot of that shit, there's still some things that you haven't. Uh, so I guess the, the goal of it and the, uh, the, what you want to strive towards is go and be able to go back home without falling back into the worst of it. You're going to fall back a little bit, uh, but without falling back so far, being comfortable enough with yourself up here or away from your parents is when you go home so you can control, you can conquer that little girl. Because that's what it is. There's When you go home, that same little girl that you were is just sitting there crying. And still, you still have those same feelings, and she's sitting there waiting for you when you go back home. Uh, and what you have to do is it's not that you go back and defeat her. It's like you have to go back and tell her that it's okay, that it's you don't have to feel that way anymore. And then once you do that, which is... You know, admittedly, going to be extremely difficult. But once you do that, then the cycle will be broken. Yeah, or that, or just when my parents aren't there anymore. <laughs> That's the problem. It's more, I guess, but I should be able to when my mom starts that kind of guilt and that kind of what we're not good enough for you kind mm. of conversation, is saying that that food doesn't mean that. I'm too I'm too good for you now. Does your mom know that about the bulimia? It's one of those th- it's an unspoken thing in the house. Open secret. Yes, it's yeah. definitely something that everyone knows that I did and everyone knows that I do when I go down there that was never approached or talked about in the house. And I feel like that is a big problem of why it continued and why it continues every time I go down there is that it's almost expected. Yeah. And that it's just something that I do and that why didn't she ever talk to me about it? Okay, I mean that's just so hard. Yeah. But how do you even approach that? How how is she going to approach that? Because I know that you guys have talked uh you've gotten a lot more frank with each other recently about certain mental illnesses within your family, the type of stuff that your mom goes through, the type of stuff that your grandmother went through, and the type of stuff that you went through. This seems like this is the last thing to talk about. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to stop until you talk to her about it and you tell her like listen this is and you can't approach it from any sort of angle like this is what you're doing to me because she ain't gonna respond to that right like of of course not and it's also that's unfair because i don't think she is doing it to you i'm doing it to myself doing it to yourself and she's she looks at it as she's doing this for you right and she's doing something for you uh and 
we have to do is just make her understand, like from a very loving place, just like listen, like this is this is bad for me. When I say I've had enough, then I've had enough, and I can't go any further because if I go any further, then this other there's stuff repercussions, happens. There's, right. re- there's repercussions for it. There are very bad repercussions for it. Uh, and, I'm, you know, I'm sure if when you bring it up to her and you actually talk to her about it, she'll say, of course I knew. You know, of, of course. Like, this is something that I've known for a long time that I never wanted to talk about because I didn't know how to talk to you about it. Uh, and I think that's going to be the first step towards conquering that is just sitting down with her and talking about it. And I don't know you, I mean, you know her better than I do naturally, of course. So it's up to you to figure out what the best time to talk to her about it is. Like, do you talk to her about it on the phone before you go home next? Or do you wait until you go home to talk to her about it face to face? Um, but it's possible that talking to her on the phone about it lays the groundwork for it for when you do go home next. Yeah. But it's, of course, all up to you. You know what she's going to respond to best. Also, I think it's interesting, uh, like, being home and, you know, since it wasn't the holidays, I was able to just chill and sit by myself. And I remembered that, like, my sister used to make fun of me for throwing up because she would laugh because I was always still fat and mm. that she would make fun of me and tell me I was, like, doing it wrong. That obviously, <laughs> that she's I'm like, sorry, no, no, that's the It's funny. <laughs> because funny. it's like, bulimia, you're supposed to be thinner. And it's like, yeah. but no, that's not the thing. Like, if you have addiction to something, like, it's, uh, I was never thin, even when I threw everything up, because then you would just eat more stuff. Yeah. It's just all bad. It's just a bad cycle of things. It's just, no, it just made my teeth bad and it gave me, like, acid reflux disease for the rest of my fucking life and it's just and it's true why did I do it if I also I thought I was gonna lose weight you know and it's like that's the problem with that kind of like like anorexia or bulimia it's like you never you think that it's gonna help yeah and it doesn't it's just a it's a psychological need that you're fulfilling that is only hurting you and it's even if you do lose weight, it's not helping you. I think with you, it was more. I don't know if it was about losing weight as much as it was just about guilt. It was mostly guilt, yeah. but also I was really fat. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it was ingenious. I was like, oh, but if I throw it all up, yeah, then the I won't be fat anymore. First person to ever think of this, right? Yeah. I, but especially at the time, like I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't see it as bulimia until I had brought it up with my therapist when I was like, yeah, well, you know, and then like I throw it up and she's like, so you throw up every day. I was like, yeah. I was like, but I'm not bulimic. She's like, that is, yes, you are like, uh, but at the time, I still kind of feel this way that I, I didn't feel like I needed the label. Mm. I was just fucked up, (laughs) you know, a symptom of a larger problem. Right. Yeah. And she didn't see it. I mean, that was anger management phase. So that, like, that wasn't what they were focusing on. So they kind of left that at the wayside. But it's just so crazy. And then I immediately come home and gain weight because I was throwing everything up while I was at home. It's crazy. Psychological fucking shit, man. The second I walk through the threshold of my door, I'm just like, ah, ah, ah. And then I talk to Henry. And he's like, why do you go home? Yeah. Because I like being there. And you love your parents. Yeah. You want to see them and you want to be around them. Yeah. But it's so fucked. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people feel that way about their family where 
you go and see them and it's just never what you want it to be. You think you're going to go home and it's like, oh, it's my home. And I love because I do. I, I I love being there. I even love sleeping in my childhood bedroom. Like I'm down. Yeah, It's a good place. But then why does it make me so psychologically fucked? <sighs> because you are in a better place than now than you were then. But you haven't dealt with all the shit that you had going on then. And I guess that's what you have to take away is when you leave that place is the time to work on you. Yeah. And when you start working on yourself after you leave home is when you really start to grow. And the entire it's like everything is so tumultuous when you're living at home. And, you know, it is your entire environment. It is your entire world that you can't get out of. Mm-hmm. And just remembering that one day you can get out of it and one day you will grow past it. It's just hard to remember at the time. But you got to put in the work. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to get past that shit, you got to put in the work. Yeah. Because otherwise, if you don't get past this shit, then every time, how, let me ask you, how soon does the dread start before you go home? Before the day that you go home, when does the dread begin? A week before. About a week? Yeah. You feel that coming? Yeah. And I, I mean, like, I just can't. Well, especially my parents are getting older. They're starting to lose it. They're starting to really show it that they're losing it. And I got into a screaming match over the phone. My mom was in Chinatown. I was yelling at her on the phone. I like, and she's like, she's like, I just feel bad for Doug. I feel bad for all you friends because you're so crazy and you act like this. I was like, you're the only one that makes me act this way. <laughs> you realize this? You see how I'm screaming in public? You're the only one to scream at like this. And it's true. Yeah. It's insane how, like, especially, like, as someone that has anger problems, she is the only one in my life that can still boop, 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 hit all the triggers at once and just make me skyrocket yeah. into so angry I can't even control myself. And it's crazy that I can say that you're the only one that makes me feel this way and actually mean it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it just she just hits those buttons, and I don't think she wants to either. No, no I, I, I but think I think I, she does because she enjoys drama. Uh, and then I'm the crazy one. Okay, I'm always the crazy one. I She's not crazy. That. I'm crazy. Mm. You know, it's one of those. I feel like a lot of people have that in their in their families. Yeah, you have somebody that pushes your buttons in some way or another, and it's because they need attention. Yeah. And they know that they can get it from you. And uh, I, I just have never gotten people who need attention. Who I just never, I've never been able to understand people who will take any sort of attention, even negative attention. Like right. I just don't understand that. That just seems like it would pollute your soul so much. And I think it does. Uh, have you ever had a friend like that? Uh yeah, yeah. I, I've had a friend that would just do anything. Uh, but, you know, and I think, you know, it, it might just come from, you know, when you're a kid or when they were kids and you just need, and if you're ignored by your parents, then you act out in order to gain attention from them and then you get attention. It doesn't matter whether it's good or bad and you just learn that and that's ingrained. You don't even fucking think about it. Like, I, don't, I guarantee you, your mom doesn't think like, okay, well, I'm going to get some attention from Jackie right now. It's not, it's not anything that they think about. It's just that they've learned that doing this gives them a rush of endorphins. It gives them a feeling that they enjoy uh, on some level. 
not even on a level of like pure pleasure, not on a sunny day level, not on a, you know, kiss, like kissing your love level. It's just on, uh, it, it does, it fires something in their brains that, that they like. Well, I'm very well aware, which I hate that I fall into the trap that my, uh, in my situation, my mother enjoys being the victim. Mm. So when she pushes my buttons and then I explode, it's my fault. And she's the poor mother that has to deal with me. Yeah, And that's what it's been my entire life. That like going through anchor management and understanding that a lot of my triggers come from things that she has put into place for me. Yeah, And part of dealing with anger is not letting those things get to you which I try very hard to deal with with other people that's yeah. right you know because like, I can't yeah. do but with her I just get well she's the final boss she, man she is <laughs> oh man she's tough oh she's tough yeah they, can't get past her yeah <laughs> can't finish the game yeah and, and that's kind of what it is you know I, I know a lot of times in life maybe too much i said on here before is that i i think of uh sometimes i look at life as kind of a role-playing game like uh you know a, a video game uh and in you know role-playing games it's that you know you level up and you have to do a lot of what's called grinding in order to level up and that's just going out and slaying little monsters so you can get two experience points here and six there because the final boss you don't have you don't your level isn't high enough to slay that final boss yet. You go in against that final boss and it kills you with one fucking sword stripe or a sword swipe and then you're done. So you have to keep leveling up. And going those, back. Those, back those, to, yeah, yeah, back down to level one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get those like little victories here and there and those little victories give you more and more experience points until finally you can go against that final boss and you finish the fucking game. And then there's the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I used to watch... You, do you remember the movie Drop Dead Fred? Yeah! I was obsessed with that movie. It, because, I mean, it kind of fit into my life a good amount. Especially, like, as a kid. And I remember that, like, in the end, she has a dream sequence where she's with the Drop Dead Fred, like, in another world. Where she finally metaphysically defeats her mother yeah. and it's like what she needed to do and I remember watching that being like she'd get me in the end <laughs> <laughs> like that's all I could think of is that like if I did something like that she would win <laughs> and one day one day I'm going to get rid of my imaginary friend and I'm going to win <laughs> day's not today Marcus it's not today the day's not today but today can be a day that you begin yes and today can be a day that you start thinking about it differently yeah uh, and not talking to someone like this <laughs> where it's just that's the voice I use yeah I mean, is it possible that once she starts talking to you like that, once uh, she starts getting into it, that you can just say, like, hey, listen, uh, I'm going to call you back later? I have tried, but then she'll call me and she cries about it. Oh, because you've cut off the attention. Yes. Mm. Yeah, it's, you know, it's just a game. You know, we, we had one of these when I was at home. We were driving, and I was talking about some shit. I wasn't even angry. I was just talking, talking. And she's like, she stops. She's like, was I a good mother? Oh. And I was like, what the fuck are you asking me that for? 
<laughs> just like that's what like <laughs> and then she started to cry and i was like oh my god yes yes yeah. you were and then like that's not the answer she wanted so we spent the rest of the day in silence but I enjoyed the silence. <laughs> and in the past, the silence would have made me feel really guilty and really bad. Yeah. Which I shouldn't have spoken to her that way. However, I didn't feel bad about what I said. You know what? I think that's good. It's getting over the guilt. Yeah. Working step by step. Step by step, Ben. It's, I think a lot of this is rooted in the guilt. Yeah. yeah. I'm not guilty. <laughs> not this guy. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people have different relationships with their mother oh, or yeah. father that is specific to what taps into their brain every day. Uh, you know, I think everybody's got something different. I mean, in the end, we were talking about this earlier, like, my growing up was not the worst. Yeah. I, I, I... I think sometime I think back when I'm like oh my god I'm dealing with this when I go home but there's so many other worse things that could have happened in my life god, yes. and when I was sitting at home and thinking of like when I think that I'm really fucked up I try to remember the fact that I'm not as fucked up as I could have been mm-hmm. me and you both yes and and mental illness comes genetically it's not something we had any control over and I feel bad sometimes for feeling the way that I do and acting the way that I do. And it's not my fault. Mm. It's not my fault that this is the way I was hardwired. It's just what happens. Yeah. And now it's dealing with it and things like this when I have these episodes and then I got to start from square one again. But it's good. That's why I go home so that I feel like I can get to that. I get to the level. I see the boss. Mm -hmm. And then I come back home and I'm back at square one. Yeah. But in a good way. I don't think you should look at it as square one. Yeah. I don't think because square one is... Uh, square one is a complete and total breakdown. I guess you're right. Falling off everything. Like for me, like thinking about square one, if I were to say like back to square one, that would be living with my parents, like going back and getting a job on the ranch and uh, living with them and being, you know, and not just not doing what I want to do and having to work back to where I want to be. That's square one. So just you're like living as if the past like 12 years had been a dream. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's square one. You're yeah. Right. That's, that's, that's absolute square one for me. Uh, and I think your square one is much different as well. Like, I don't think, cause when you come back here, you're at square fucking 52, man. You're right. Cause uh, I'm also recharged. Yeah. I'm, I'm in a great place. Even, I mean, I had a good, fine time when I was at home. It, the things that happened were relatively out of the fine, relatively time. fine time. <laughs> Because, like, the things that happen weren't, like... Also, it's like, that's just part of our game. Like, that's mm-hmm. just how it goes. Yeah. I'm just a little crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think you might be minimizing this whole thing just a little bit. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> well, you kept giving me Valium. <laughs> that's also how my mother deals with things. You look anxious, have a Valium. Mm-hmm. So she would just give me Valium, and then I would sit there, and I'm like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they're like a bump on a log. Yeah, it's like, you know, tranquilizing a horse that you want to bring into the house. 
don't know. No, no, I, I know like what you mean by it, like a like a relatively fine time, but you know, in comparison to other times, in comparison to Christmas, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, fine. Yeah, but. Yeah. <laughs> but still, it can be better. Just, You're right. just and just remember that, and just think about that. Is that and think about it. Think that it can be better. It has been better, and it will be even better. So keep also, that in mind. what I think is. I think it's good. I think it's moving in the right direction, which part of going through bad experiences like what we had with Christmas is being able to try to communicate with your family mm-hmm. of how to change it rather than because when I talked about last like when I got back last time, it was like, oh, well, this is going to happen again. Next Christmas is exactly what. And so I'm already setting myself up for failure. So I decided to sit down with my mother and I said, how about we have Christmas not on Christmas. Oh. How about we take another week out of December and we'll, like Doug and I will go home, spend a few days with her, spend a few days with his mother, rather than having the pressure of actual Christmas, and then we can just relax. And she seemed very keen on the idea. Oh. She's like, well, because I've got a lot of parties and things that I don't get to go to because you guys are home and, you know, selfish, 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 selfish. <laughs> so, and I was like, yeah, we should do that. And then that takes away some of the pressure. So I'm trying to work on the situation rather than just dreading it for the next seven months. <laughs> <laughs> and that's perfect. That's great. Yeah. That's that's a great step. You're being proactive with it and you're actively trying to uh, to change things. So that's fucking awesome. Huh? <laughs> And I think that that's a good step for everyone that, you know, if there's something with your family that, I mean, we don't communicate well, but it's trying to figure out a way to speak to someone that is does not want to listen to you or does not want to hear what you have to say, especially about emotions. So in a matter of fact, rational way. Rather than saying, oh, I had a bad time. I don't want to have another bad time. I was like, it would be more convenient for you if we had it on a different week. Manipulation. And she she was very keen on the idea. (laughs) Sometimes that has to happen. I mean, just in I mean, a little, it's some, you got to fight fire with fire. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes it really does have to happen. Yeah. It's, you know, manipulation is a very ugly word uh, and it has a lot of ugly connotations and you can go way too far with it, but sometimes you just, like you say, have to fight fire with fire. Uh, if there's no other way around it and just... Sometimes you have to do with that. Sometimes you have to get a little psychological with things. Uh, And I think uh, people deny the fact that they do it every single day. Like you do it. Everyone does it every day where you have little tricks to get things that you want. Like where you know how to talk to your boss. Uh, Like say you want to get this weekend off. You know how to talk to your boss. You know what to say in order to have him let you have those days off. That's manipulation. Uh, And we use it every single day. And sometimes you got to use it on the people you love. I mean, as long as it's for something that is rational, I feel like it's fine. Yeah, it's not like if you're trying to bilk your mom out of $200. Yeah, to get to score. Like, yeah, yeah, there's, I mean, there's... That's fucked up. That's fucked. That's bad manipulation. That's bad manipulation. But for the greater good... A good manipulation, but you also have to be careful because the road to hell, as we say, is paved with good intentions. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's just, fine. I'm on the way. I'm fucking. <laughs> I'm three quarters of a mile into that road. Yeah. So, so just think over. Uh, think over what you're gonna do. 
and uh, make sure that you think it through. Um, but sometimes it works. But also, you have to take responsibility that sometimes it backfires yes. on you. And when it does, you take responsibility. And you have to. Yes. Because you know you did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know you did it. You know you did wrong. Take responsibility. It'll make things work out so much better in the end. Just there's nothing. There No, no good comes of constant denial to yourself or to others. Like, yeah. no, I didn't do that. I didn't do that because the other person knows that you did it and you know that you did it and you're putting up a wall between you and the other person and it's no good. And that's why you should be aware when you're using manipulation so you're able to control it. Yes, absolutely. Well, let's get to our letters today. All right. We got a follow-up letter uh, from uh, a kid that we talked to uh, a little while. It was about uh, four or five months back, uh, way back in December. Um, he was a guy that uh, we weren't sure if he was in college or high school. He was a, a British, uh, but he was going to school in Luxembourg. Turns out that he is in high school. Uh, he was a kid that got in a fight with his best friend. There was a, a slight restraining order put on him, and uh, he sounded extremely manic. And, uh, and pretty unstable, and we were very concerned about this guy, and we hadn't heard from him in uh, in months and months. But uh, yeah, we've uh, we got a follow up now. So uh, let's. Which I was really happy about. I was so happy to get this because yeah. like, there's you know some letters on that we get on the show like stick in your you know they kind of stick in your mind a little bit, and this one definitely stuck in mine. Uh, so yeah, let, let's go. Uh, dear Marcus and Jackie, thank you so much for reading out my mail on the show. Well, I'm guessing you want to know what's been going on. When I listened to the episode where you read out my email, I was sitting on my bed and I started shaking uncontrollably for about 30 minutes. That was when I realized there must be something wrong. I waited a couple of days planning what I would say to my dad. My parents are divorced, so I can't tell them at the same time because they don't get along. I told him everything. I told him that I might be bipolar. He reacted exactly how I imagined. He thought I was faking and trying to seek attention and dismissed it. My mom reacted the complete opposite. She suggested that I get tested. Later that month, I got diagnosed with bipolar disorder with mania and depression. I started taking medication that seemed to keep my mania down and started to make me feel very lethargic. By the way, my dad still thinks that I don't have anything wrong. I started getting back into school and not feeling like an outcast, and as these things happen in school, people have stopped talking about me. I got a couple of new friends. Uh, they started to smoke some weed. I tried it, and I liked it, so a couple of weeks later, I started to get really, really paranoid. It's hard to explain how it feels, but I'm sure you know what I mean. This eventually wears off, though, after I stop smoking. Last week, I went to my mom's house. She sits me down and tells me that, that my aunt is also bipolar and has tried to kill herself many times. I could feel my rage coming up from my lungs like a red gas. I started shouting at her, asking how she could keep this from me, because if I knew this, I wouldn't have spent all that time before I told her, uh, knowing that I was bipolar, spending all that time in my mental cage, wondering what was wrong with me. She sent me to my dad's house, and that's where I've been ever since. I started smoking weed again because that's the only way I can feel happy for a bit. I really don't know whether it's better to feel paranoid, interspersed with short periods of happiness, or feeling depressed because of my mom. And that's it. Well, thank you so much for writing in again. We were very worried about you. I'm really happy that you started at least medication. Yeah. I, I think that... You should be talking to someone, and if your mom had you get tested, 
maybe she's the one to talk to about this. Yeah. Especially when you first start medication, there's a lot of feelings that come with it. And especially when you're experimenting with drugs for the first time and said you're feeling lethargic and you're just trying to put everything back together, you need to be able to talk through that. Yeah. The episode you had with your mom, which is an episode, it's definitely, you know, a spike within you. Because you have anger problems. Yes. I mean, I even you saying you filled up your lungs like red gas. Believe me, I know exactly what you're talking about. I was just talking about it. Now I can joke about it years later, but believe me, I have had those times when I would speak that way and then she wouldn't speak to me for months. And now looking back, See, I didn't have another house to even be sent to. I would just live there, and she just refused to acknowledge my presence for months. And looking back and realizing of all the years that I've had to deal with this is that talking to her again is your best option. It seems like she understands at least kind of what you're going through, at least with dealing with her her sister. But since she doesn't have firsthand knowledge of it, she doesn't know where you're coming from when you reacted that way. Yeah. Not saying that the way you reacted was right, but I understand why you acted that way. It's completely within your right to feel that way, especially when you're going through so much. Yeah. And let me tell you why she waited to tell you. Because she was terrified. Yeah. She had... your Her sister uh, is bipolar, so she's been through a lot with her sister. Her sister has tried to kill herself. And so she's been through a lot with that. Um, now she's looking at doing the same thing with you. Uh, and it's she's, terrifying. It's terrifying because I know um, as someone with a, a history of mental illness in, in the family that uh, parents with mental illness are terrified that they're going to pass it on to their kids. All of them are. Like if Well, if they've got any grasp on their own... Uh, mental illness on their own uh, illness whatsoever they're terrified of passing on to their kids because all this shit is genetic and uh, they take complete guilt because of it as well so much guilt so so much guilt uh, and your mom and people with a, a you know mental illness in their family like they they worry as well and so when uh, you told when your mom uh, sent you to a doctor and got you diagnosed um she didn't want you to be bipolar. She didn't want your. She didn't want her son to go through the same shit that her sister went through. Uh, it doesn't make it right that she waited a while to tell you that you know it's in the family, but she wasn't keeping it from you out of spite, and she wasn't keeping it from you because um, she was keeping it from you because she was. Um, terrified and because she didn't want you know sometimes when these things uh, come along you just don't want to say it out loud especially when you're dealing with with uh, your kids like you just don't want to say it out loud and thank Christ it only took her a couple weeks yeah to come around and say and you know what she was trying to do then she was trying to help you she was trying to tell you that you're not alone in this struggle that you have uh, someone in your family that you can go talk to that goes through the exact same shit. Someone that you can call up on the phone that has been through this, that you are close to, that you know, that can talk you through this stuff. And you know what? You're lucky 
because you caught this early on. You're still in high school and you caught this early on. I'm sure your aunt, um, God, who knows how long it was until she was diagnosed? Who knows how long, how many manic depressive fits that she went through before she finally got the help that she deserved and the help that she needed. You're finding this early on uh, and you are on getting help for this early on. Yes, you're on medication. And yes, it's making you feel um, very lethargic. Um, maybe you need to try a different kind of medication. You're probably on lithium. Uh, if that's if it's making you feel lethargic, then it's a good chance that you're on lithium. Uh, and talk to your doctor. Tell him, like, you know, I've, I'm feeling really lethargic with this. Like, I, I think I might want to try uh, something else. But I think you also need to have somebody to talk to because I, I very strongly believe that more than any other mental illness, bipolar disorder needs to be treated with both medication and therapy. Yes. More than any other, like, you know, with depression, uh, it's kind of a, you know, a back and forth as to what you can just take medication or you can just do therapy like that works out. But I think bipolar uh, and of course, I'm not a doctor. Neither one of us are. We say at the beginning of the show, but I wanted like this is just my personal opinion is that bipolar people benefit most from therapy and medication. So you need to be talking to someone. And as far as uh, as the weed goes, as far as like smoking weed goes, uh, I think uh, personally, uh, I'm not sure if weed is the best thing for bipolar people. I know some bipolar people that smoke a ton of weed and uh, they're down for it and, uh, and it helps them out. But I know other uh, people and bipolar people that smoke weed uh, and it either sends and it can send them off on a manic trip uh, it can send them off on a, a depressive trip it sends them way down into a depressive hole and it sounds like it might be getting you there I mean, it sounds like yes you can feel happy uh, for a second but if it's just something that just makes you feel happy for a little bit and then you get paranoid and then you get depressed uh, then that means that it's not working and that can fuck with your head trust me as somebody who you know has smoked weed in the past has you know gone years without you know smoking weed every single day the paranoia is what made me stop smoking weed every day now I'm like shit I'm done like smoking weed like once a month uh, on special occasions uh, because the paranoia uh, got to me so much and it was seep the paranoia that I was feeling uh, when I was high was starting to seep into me being sober and so I was starting those paranoid thoughts you know social anxiety and you know just generally self-hatred like the self-hatred really came th- in fact you know, I'll give a shit a good example, very recent example. Uh, we went out, a bunch of us went out a couple of weeks ago and saw the Black Lips. Uh, and it was a fucking, it was a great show. Uh, but I bought some tincture, uh, which is liquid THC. And uh, I bought it. And, uh, you know, I was kind of like giving everybody drops. I believe but- we referred to it as getting tinked up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do refer to it as tanking it. Uh, <laughs> But every time I would give someone a drop, I would also give myself one. And so I got, you know, way too high. And I was, you know, at a whole, we were all at Hold McNeely's house and, and I was talking to Jackie. And then suddenly a switch got turned in my brain and um, 
this door of hate just opened up and I started feeling kind of panicky and I, I thought like immediate like we were talking and I was just like and I think you were in the middle of a sentence and I was just like hey listen I gotta go right now like I, I have to get out of here right now I'm sorry but I have to leave uh, and I went out and I got a cab and as soon as I got into a cab and I wasn't around anybody anymore I have not felt self-hatred that badly in years like it put me into like I had once you're kind of free from um, from depressive states for for as long as I've been like the the particularly horrible ones once you're free for as long as I've been you you forget what it feels like and you forget how bad it feels like and this shit uh, kicked me right back to 2005 2006 during the worst of it uh, and I had never felt self-hatred like that before uh, like being in New York City I'd, I'd never felt that uh, and I every single object that I looked at in my room filled with, filled me with hate for myself uh, in every single way possible and um, it destroyed me for about three days uh, it absolutely dismantled my entire ego uh, and I had to put myself back together again. Uh, and with being bipolar and, you know, and it could also be I just couldn't handle my shit, you know, and uh, that I just got too fucking high. Uh, but, you know, I've also talked to other people uh, with bipolar disorder and they've had that same experience uh, that you can go too far. And you're also at a point in your life where your brain is very fucking fragile and that it's not fully formed. And a lot of people can totally smoke weed when they're younger, and it's absolutely fine, uh, and it doesn't affect them any more than having a few beers will. But when you're at the state that you're at, when you're so unpredictable and so up and down, adding another substance in there, an unknown substance, might not be the best idea in the world. I think that's great advice. <laughs> Sorry, I fucking just hit you with a wall of speech there. No, I mean, I loved it. I was with you, man. I went on the coaster with you. I think well, it also you. shows, too, is that the kind of friends you have to have in your life is that the next day when Marcus texted me that he apologized because he had gotten into such a deep, dark place. He's like, I'm sorry, I just left in the middle of our conversation. I was like, dude, and when I read it, I was like, if someone I know very well looks at me and says, I got to go, I got to go right now, I don't stop them. Well, that's fine. Didn't affect me none. I was like, yeah, it's like, if you got to go, you got to go. And I yeah. feel like that's also an important thing to realize is that when you get to understand yourself a lot more and you've been through as many ups and downs, you've been through all that stuff, and sometimes you have to acknowledge the fact that I have to be alone right now. Yeah, I got to go. I have to go take care of myself. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not, if you can't get out of a place, it's finding a hallway or, but don't like lock yourself in the bathroom or anything, but just try and step outside for a second. Mm-hmm. If you can't, if you don't have the ability to get out of the situation, but sometimes like if you hit that paranoia, you hit that low, you hit that panic attack, you have to get away from everyone. Yeah. And how I finally pulled myself out of the holes, uh, I took out my notebook and I've been writing a lot more 
uh, and I took out my notebook and I just started writing, trying to write stuff down. And I looked at it the next day and the letters were so tiny because I was struggling so hard to move the pen. Uh, and really, it wasn't even that much. And I wasn't, and I didn't have, you know, God, I had like four beers, but the writing was so fucking tiny. And then finally, the sentence that got me out of it was, all of this is coming from the bullshit side of my brain. Like all like it was like like the hate door turned into the bullshit it's exactly door. and you know and that hate lingered for a while but I also the next day I uh, called up friend Ragnar on Skype and we talked for got a couple hours about all this shit and he just fucking talked me through it and uh, we just had a fucking great just fucking chat session about because he goes through a lot of shit too we all do uh, and that helped me out but then eventually I had to rebuild shit on my own. Like, I had to take responsibility for what I had done and for what I had done to myself because no one made me do any of that. I had to take responsibility for all of it and rebuild. Um, So I got to tell you, man, it's like, you know, doing this stuff, you know, it can be, it's very unpredictable and you're at a very unpredictable time in your life. Uh, And I would recommend, you know, maybe not smoking weed. Especially when you're, you said you're living with your dad now and, and you're experimenting now when you are living under his roof. And I feel like since he doesn't really understand what you're going through, that's what you have to remember too, is that, yeah, he says that you're faking it, quote unquote, and things like that. It's just because he doesn't understand. Just because he's British. <laughs> <laughs> but people that haven't been around it or haven't dealt with it or haven't acknowledged it within themselves, they poo-poo other people yeah. and remember which is hard to remember that he just doesn't understand yeah. and doesn't mean you shouldn't deal with it doesn't mean that you shouldn't talk to your mom about it. doesn't mean you shouldn't talk to a therapist you should definitely talk to a therapist yeah but especially if you're getting into those paranoia states you shouldn't be doing it if you are anywhere near his house. No, no paranoia. Paranoia is the worst thing for you right now because that can that can seep in your regular mind and uh, paranoia plus mania is dangerous. Yeah, and it's, it's much deeper than the light, happy high that you get. See, it's, it's much more dangerous. It's so much deeper, so dangerous. And your mania... Uh, there's a, a lot of different kinds of mania. There's uh, euphoric mania, uh, but... Like, of course, like the most, the, what people usually think of is like the euphoric mania, uh, where it's just you're happy and you have a million ideas. There's also sexual mania where you just go out and you fuck everyone. You've got anger mania, you know, and, and anger mania is dangerous. Uh, and it's not fun mania. It's, I mean, it's the hardest. You, you've got it hardest uh, out, of, out of all of it. Like myself, it's uh, ideas and sex. That that's where my mania is. That's where it goes. Uh, but yours is it's the hardest one because you're not going to have any fun. Uh, it, there's no fun to this, uh, and you're also the type of person that needs to keep the closest eye on it. Uh, so, not that any of the manias are particularly fun. No, no. no, no. At the it, time, your brain makes you think that they are exactly because your brain is going a million miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You think you're having the best time of your life. Uh, when you're actually actually destroying your life. But unfortunately, there is also a high that comes from 
anger, like exuding your anger yeah. as well. You know more about this than I do. Which is also, it, it's dangerous because it's that like, whoo, it's that adrenaline. It's that like, I want to fuck with some other people. That's how I get when I hit those levels. Yeah. And that I immediately, when you give into it, you're ready to just like, fuck up, fuck up. I want to fuck up anything, whether it's emotionally or verbally or anything that you feel like you're the Hulk yeah. and you're ready to just smash everybody's dream birds you know (laughs) but that's why talking and writing are extremely helpful yeah and i'd recommend you call your mother and apologize yeah 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 call your mother and apologize and and just uh, just tell her it's like you know i'd thought about it i realized you know what you were i know you were trying to do i know you were only trying to help and shit ask her for your aunt's number just say like, hey, listen, can I call, you know, can you, can I get aunt whoever's number? I think it's a great idea. And, uh, and so I can talk to her and see what she thinks about all this stuff. Also and- remember, she waited to tell you because not only was she scared, but in a mother that is not only if she's dealt with mental illness or her, her, and it's in her family that she doesn't want to immediately put that label on you. She Realize how fortunate you are that she waited until you came to her mm-hmm. to talk to her about it, and then she dealt with it. Yeah, I don't know if you were showing it, especially before the whole incident had happened, like in other ways that she thought maybe you're just, you know, you're just being a teenager, and she didn't want to fuck with your shit. She didn't want to prod and be like, "What's going on with you? What's going on with you?" That's she how let, my parents did it. Yeah, yeah, they and just, just kind of let they left me be. They like, let you figure it out. Yeah. And you are extremely fortunate. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to hear it, but that's why, you know, she just didn't want to jump the gun. Yeah. But now she's willing to help. And man, we're lucky that at least, you know, my Somebody mother was aware cares. of it. Yeah. We yeah. Get, we get so many letters from uh, from people where, uh, where nobody cares and they're alone. And you're not. You can do it, you're man. You're absolutely not alone. Yeah, your father's, you know, a dick. And, you know, he hasn't accepted the fact that, you know, mental illness exists. Unfortunately, you know, it's a big problem in uh, in England that, you know, a lot of people like to deny that mental illness even exists and that the only people that are actually mentally ill, Ill, mentally Ill are the ones that are covered in shit, jerking off uh, at Piccadilly Circus. Like that's that's a general attitude. Uh, but your mom is there for you. She's fucking there for you and sounds like she's there for you 100%. And yeah, you may have gotten so angry that you scared her. You know, it's if she's if you got so angry that she sent you to to stay with your father then yeah, you might have scared her. Uh but call and apologize and try to mend that and as if you tell her, "Listen, I need my my aunt's phone number." Then that shows her that you're serious. Yeah. That shows her that you want uh, that you want to get help because you've got to show her that you're making strides. It's not your fault. It's your responsibility. Exactly. Oh, shit, man. I think that's about all I got in me. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> for, for, today. <laughs> for today. That one, yeah, we got a little bit more into that one than uh, than, I, than I thought we would. You know, we've, we've got more... Uh, We've got definitely got more letters. We got you know far, uh, follow-ups from uh, from Direwolf. We uh, we got a guy that's um, 
Yeah, the other one that we were going to get to today, it's, it's too heavy to do two of those in one day. Uh, but uh, he's, uh, you know, it's, it's We're going to be our, with you next week. Yeah, though. we're going to be with you next week. It's kind of our first foray into uh, childhood kind of stuff. Uh, and it's it's pretty fucking heavy, but we'll get to you next week, man. Uh, and um, thank you guys so much for writing in. Yeah, if you have anything that you want to, if you have anything that you want to contribute to uh, what we said today, uh, or if you have any kind of questions, CaveComedyRadio at gmail dot com is the place to do it. Uh, we've also got a Facebook page where people are posting happy shit and helping each other out, uh, which is fucking awesome. I know Thanks. I got to get on. I'm just so bad with Facebook. It's I'm such bad. an idiot. I forget to. I don't. I don't check it. I'm very bad at it. But you know what's great is that the listeners are are helping each other out, and it's awesome. And I love it. <laughs> It's just, and that's and that's honestly that's what that's what I wanted it to be, is like you guys helping each other out, giving your own life experiences, uh, and uh, just generally being really cool to each other. So uh, thank yeah, and all it's been all positive. It's been all super positive. So yeah, just keep being positive, keep being awesome, and as we say. Make noise and free yourself. Make noise and free yourself. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it so much. Make noise and free yourself. Fucking have fun out there. Uh, live life to the fullest. And uh, be good, man. Later on. Be good to yourself and be good to others. Oh, yeah. <laughs>